0: There are three big problems with used vehicle appraisals. One, manually sifting through comp vehicles. Two, old book values and ghost comps. Three, no recon visibility. You can solve them all with AutoVision, launching in the Reynolds & Reynolds booth at NADA. Learn more at reyrey.com slash used dash cars. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash used dash cars.
1: Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash Daily Drive promo to redeem. Welcome to this Weekend Drive edition of Daily Drive for the first week in February 2024. I'm Jamie Butters,
2: Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Hello from the 2024 NADA show here in Las Vegas. Today we're breaking down some of the biggest stories in the auto industry from the past week and looking forward to what's in store in days ahead. In a few minutes, we'll hear from our own Dan Schein and the auto retail attorney, Leonard Bolavia about the biggest issues being discussed at NADA this week.
3: I think dealers really need to rewrite the playbook on compensation for talented people.
2: But first, Jamie, welcome back to Las Vegas. This is like the 100th time I've seen you this year, <laughs> and we're only in February. <laughs> it's crazy. So let's get let's get started. So I remember a conversation you and I had almost two years ago about Toyota being late to the EV party. Now this week, we reported that Toyota's global sales of electric vehicles more than quadrupled. Is it paying off for Toyota for sitting back and waiting to see how the EV market shook out before going all in? I mean, this is a company that in 2018 sold one EV, <laughs> and now they've sold 104,000 EVs worldwide. I think that's a pretty good leap, right?
1: It's it's a baby step, really, for such a giant company. Uh, you know, 100,000 is a nice number, but it is, you know, less than 1% of Toyota's output last year. So uh, pretty modest steps. And are they still behind where they should be? It kind of depends, right? It's, It's very hard to make money on EVs. And so that's been a big factor in their calculus all along. And what they haven't had to do is dial back some ambitions, which we've had to see from a lot of other automakers that gotcha. thought, oh, this is going to keep going, 50 70% growth every year. And it's a little more complicated that, than that, especially during these years where the supply chain's being rebuilt and trying to figure out the battery chemistry and get a lot more efficient.
2: So it pays to be slow and steady. Sometimes. There you go. Uh, and Jamie, this week, a political consultant, Mike Murphy, joined the show. You and him both spoke on how politics affect EV adoption. Democrats, by 15 points, rate them more favorable
1: than unfavorable electric car brands. Republicans give them a 9% favorable rating and a 49% unfavorable rating, 40 points underwater. There's a
2: 55-point gulf on only electric car brands. There's a little bit on Japanese brands, but nothing compared to this over EVs. Politics is part of someone's core values and beliefs, right? But has it gone too far with EVs becoming part of the political argument? Well, it's certainly not helpful for automakers or for auto dealers.
1: Like we were talking about yesterday on the show, you know, there are a lot of dealers who feel the Biden administration is pushing too hard, too fast on EVs, especially the EPA. But to have half of their customers Reject this type of a uh, product up up front
2: is very challenging. It's, it's really no way to run a mass market industry like this Interesting interesting it makes sense now Jamie we're here at NADA and our presence here Well automotive news presence here has been a lot different uh, before this is my first time here uh, What does this mean to you? Uh, th- we have this great new booth. We're right in the middle of the floor
1: and as part of our booth uh, you know, there's meeting areas and work areas, but we also have a studio. It's uh, like a TV-type studio. It looks like, like the Today Show or something. We're <laughs> right in the middle of the floor with these glass walls around us. There's a cool little on-air sign. I am going to be here almost the entire next two days. Uh, we're doing the LinkedIn Live. We've got a bunch of interviews uh, stacked up, meeting with retailers, you know, uh, analysts, and uh, advisors, consultants, brand chiefs.
2: It's going to be really cool. Yeah, it's going to be a busy weekend. Coming up, Automotive News Senior Editor Dan Shine and Auto Retail Attorney Leonard Bolavia joins the show here on the floor of NADA 2024. That's next on Weekend Drive.
0: Data is the backbone of your used vehicle department. You need it to find accurate comp sets and to best understand your market in order to make precise appraisal and pricing decisions but it feels like you're always struggling to get the information you need. How much time do you spend sifting through comps because there are outliers that don't match the vehicle you're appraising? Do you frequently make manual adjustments to pricing recommendations? Reynolds' newest inventory management solution, AutoVision, can help. AJ McGowan, president and founder of AutoVision, explains how.
3: If you look at the way that cars are traditionally priced, you you can get down to specifics in terms of You know, what zip code is it in and, you know, what options does it have on it? You know, some of those sorts of things. Um, But the thing that's never really taken into account um, is, you know, that dealer's, you know, specific view of the market. Our goal with AutoVision was to use, you know, technology that's available now to do real time processing, which allows dealers to really set the their view of the market into AutoVision. And then we use our tools to analyze the data that's there and show them this is what this vehicle is worth to you.
0: AutoVision can help you run your used vehicle department with precise comp sets, real-time inventory data, and reconditioning insights. Visit reyrey.com slash used dash cars to find out more. That's dot slash used dash cars.
1: Welcome back to Weekend Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Consolidation, digital retail, Hyundai's partnership with Amazon, these are just some of the big topics we're hearing here on the floor of the NADA show this week in Las Vegas. And some of the subjects we dug into on a live conversation on LinkedIn yesterday with Automotive News Senior Editor Dan Schein and auto retail attorney Leonard Belavia. Here's a piece of that conversation.
2: M&A market that's been white hot. the, you know, maybe not as great in 2023, but still pretty robust. Pretty, and it seems like in 2024, we've already got a couple of big deals. going. How do you see it so far going? And what does 2024 look like? See,
3: uh, you know, I think that the common misconception is that the boom is over and therefore dealers, they miss the boat on the value of their deal. That's not the, the case. What's happened is I think the more astute dealers have said, you know, I'm a retirement age, maybe they said this in 2020 or 2021, let's say they're 75 to 80. They said, I really should be selling, but I can't sell because I'm making too much money. So, you know, they made a business decision and I think it was an astute business decision. And that is, let me enjoy the profits. So even though my blue sky value may go down in 2024 and 2025, I've kind of collected my blue sky value before I sold. So even though, theoretically, not even in reality, but theoretically blue sky values may be lower in 2024. And uh, there's a footnote to that that I'll explain. What's the difference? So if if their blue sky value is down 20%, so what? They made millions of dollars in the past three years. But the reality is a lot of people that were in that boat that are now saying, all right, the bloom is off the rose. Maybe now I'll sell. There are more buyers out there. There there aren't as many listings as buyers would like. So the values are kind of still up there. Maybe not as high, but younger people that are coming into the business are willing to kind of throw the book away and pay overpay for dealerships because it doesn't matter to them if they don't get the return on investment in the traditional five years. They'll wait seven or eight years because if they're 40 years old, what's the difference whether they make the return back in five years or eight years? So sellers are really—they really did not miss the boat. They got the best of both worlds.
1: It's just like you said—the the demand is still so strong. You've got these strategic <laughs> players like Lithia and I guess Asbury now too, and uh, that are all trying to get bigger uh, and and buy stores. But you also you have a lot of just like Wall Street money that doesn't know where to go, and they see—they've seen the proof: good times and bad times. Dealerships make money, so they want to invest in it. You have got private equity, you've got entrepreneurs yeah. who are like, yeah, maybe I have to overpay, but I can build generational wealth uh, with this business, and so there's just
3: still unrelenting demand. Well, the, the sweet spot, I don't think it's out there yet, brokers know it, the sweet spot really is the general manager, the general manager who has access to an, a private investor, because. You know, the big buyers of past, you know, certainly Lithia is a credible buyer and all these other public companies, they're very credible, but they're more formulaic in their approach to evaluating a dealership. So although they'll overpay a little bit, there's a limit to it. A young entrepreneur who is very capable and who the factory really likes working with uh, is the top candidate for it. as long as that general manager can find a deep pocketed investor and they are out there wall street is out there looking for very talented young people Uh, so they in my opinion they are the next wave of buyers because they are the ones that are more willing to pay more than the so-called multiple formula says they should be paying so i think we'll see a lot of young people coming in through the ranks now and manufacturers love that they like young energy and and capable people who are on the front lines
2: what speed bumps or potential kind of challenges do you see out there for the m&a market the buy sell market in 2024 that maybe will slow things down a little bit if possible
3: well you know manufacturer involvement in the buy sell process is always something that needs to be reckoned with you know manufacturers have something called a right of first refusal where they receive a buy sell and then they get this right 30-day window typically to step in the shoes of the buyer and they kind of upset the transaction There are ways around that, a skillful buy-sell attorney can can address that, but that's a potential wrinkle. Uh, Sellers are less concerned about it unless they have multiple dealerships in their group because then manufacturers will try and pick off one or two of them under the right of first refusal. So that's a structural problem that is present in any buy-sell over the past, I'd say, five to seven years. But factory approvability, you wanna make sure that even if you're a very good dealer that has multiple stores, that you have excellent customer satisfaction scores, because that's something that rises to the top in the underwriting, so to speak, of an approval. Manufacturer wants to see that you're keeping consumers happy, that you are progressive in the way you're selling cars, that you're meeting your metrics, your performance metrics, and that generally dovetails in with digital selling, making sure your dealership is in step with what's going on in the marketplace in terms of uh, social media sales, uh, having lead referral sources in place, recruiting talented people. You know, that gets into the whole issue that I know, Jamie, you've been writing about, about recruiting good people and trying to keep talented people on payroll. And you gotta really make sure that they're happy. You know, the people that are very talented in social media and digital selling are also the very same people who put quality of life, uh, work-life balance in the top of the totem pole. So you gotta be able to find those people and keep them happy. Which means don't work them 70 hours a week like some of the old-time dealers are accustomed to setting their time schedule. You know, you get one Sunday off every other week. That doesn't cut it anymore.
1: Yeah, yesterday at Retail Forum, that just kept coming up again and again. Um, workers want flexibility. They know they're going to get, they're going to make money working hard in the auto industry, but they want to be able to to live some life as well. Um, yeah. Not, you know, be just single-minded about racking up hours and trying to you know ring the bell
3: well the the biggest expense in a dealership is really turnover and then retraining people Uh, I mean that cuts a deep hole into the profitability of the dealership if you don't have consistency in your staff so I think dealers really need to rewrite the playbook on compensation for talented people Uh, of course there has to be some give-and-take on the uh, the amount of hours per week but compensation you know I always say to dealers if you have a good salesperson throw away the book, you know, you gotta make sure this person (laughs) makes a lot of money because he's making you a lot of money. You know, dealers, uh, and I've been dealing with this for 35 years, you know, they see somebody making a lot of money and they try and figure out a way to weed them out. If he's making a lot of money, it's translating upstream, you're making the same money in in terms of, you know, potential multiples of that salary. So dealers have to embrace people like that, not cut them out. Uh, So if you find somebody good that has a future, work closely with them pay them generously, it'll pay dividends over the long haul. So I think that's just kind of a reinvention of the mindset of the human resources department at dealerships.
1: But like you said, it's also you want to keep them and keep working them, but You've got to also make sure they are taking care of themselves, so they can keep making money for you for years to come. Yeah,
3: you got to be. You got to. You know, I see it in my profession too. You know, it's not as easy. Always. Uh, You know, the turnaround in the professional services business is great. You can't expect people to work, you know, more than forty-five hours a week without, you know, compensating them heavily. And you know, the other side of the coin is, happy employees because they have good work-life balance translates into better productivity. I'm not so sure this is legal advice, but I, it kind of is, really, because it, You're I not think gonna it charges hundred. No, no, or you or see, yeah, <laughs> it's on, this is a this is a freebie. Perfect. You know, happy employees mean better productivity, and dealers have to take a page out of from other industries and say, all right, it's time, it's time to pay salespeople less on commission, a higher salary, still have a hybrid formula, but make sure that they're getting compensated, they're getting trained, that they know that they're appreciated, because it seems that salespeople are always in the back of the automotive news looking for the next best opportunity, and that's not the way you want to have your sales staff spend their time.
1: Len Belavia is a senior partner at the Belavia Blatt law firm. He spoke with me and our own Dan Schein on the floor here at the NADA show in Las Vegas. You can watch the full conversation on the automotive news LinkedIn page. That's all for this weekend drive edition
2: of Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer, Jake Neer, for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on the NADA show, technology, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com.
1: Come back on Monday for a conversation with Toyota Motor North America's head of sales, Jack Hollis. We believe we are speeding along. We are investing heavily. If you think of $14 billion are being spent right now in North Carolina, to create multiple lines, to create hybrid engines, plug-in hybrid engines, and uh, all, all electric engines, that's a lot of dough. That's $14 billion with a B right now, one plant. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.